0: she weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes.
1: If you have any information regarding Mora's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family, through their Facebook page, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit.
0: This is Missing Mora Murray. Welcome back to the Missing Maura Murray podcast. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today?
1: I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like uh, 2020 is starting off with a bang. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. It is good. 2020. We're
0: here in a new in a new land, and uh, this episode, Lance, I guess I guess it does kind of take us by surprise a little bit. Um, we, we talked to author James Renner again. James Renner, of course, he wrote the book True Crime Addict. And in this episode, he talks about a trial recently that Maura's ex-boyfriend, Bill Rauch, went through
1: in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. There was an alleged victim who was accusing Bill of sexual abuse and also a physical abuse, uh, which uh, was subsequent to the alleged sexual abuse. And James Renner had been looking into this about four years ago or more. As, as far as we know, it was around four years ago where he started looking into this. Which brings me to an interesting revelation that we have in this episode, and I'm not sure if I articulated it, uh, shockingly enough, I'm not sure if I articulated it uh, the way I should have. But the information that James has provided in a lot of the circumstances of this case, not just this one that we're talking about today, have proven to have more truth than fantasy, which I feel is sort of telling of his work that goes on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of people kind of chalked this information up to uh, Rennerism, or or kind of conflated uh, the Bill Roush um, abuse allegations with a personal story that Renner was kind of seeing through, you know. Yeah. But it it turns out that's not really it because we have court transcripts and. A lot of this stuff is real, and Maura Murray's name appears in the court transcripts.
1: Yes, Maura Murray's name does appear in the transcript numerous times, as does James Renner's name and Aaron Larkin's name.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to note that I I don't think it's fair to call this information a distraction at this point. I understand what someone means if they say that, but to call anything a distraction presumes you know what happened in the case, and I don't know what happened. I don't think anyone else does, but maybe someone listening does. And we want to give out some phone numbers here. If you are feeling unsafe at home or with your partner, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 7233. And if you're feeling down this holiday season or this winter, there are people out there who want to help. Please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255.
1: And if you're not sure whether or not you need to take these steps, this is a very good point, Tim, that you made. Call those numbers. But if you're not sure that you're ready to, t- to make that move yet, if, if you're concerned about a situation that's going on in your life, you simply need to listen to your family and friends. If anyone has warned you about anything that they see from from outside of your immediate orbit in your world— that they're concerned about your safety, whether it's it's from somebody else or yourself, you need to listen to them, and then you need to make those calls. Okay, Lance, just a couple
0: of quick announcements before we get to the interview with James Renner. We are hitting the road in 2020 in March. We're going to Boston with the podcast True Crime Obsessed, and we're going to Philadelphia. It's March 20th and March 21st. We're doing a couple of shows in those cities, or one show in each of those cities, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Come check it out. It's truecrimeobsessed.com, and you can get tickets there, or
1: there is a link in the show notes. Yep. Uh, go to truecrimeobsessed.com and click the See Us Live, and you'll you'll be able to buy your tickets there. Boston is at Club Royale, and Philadelphia is at Underground Arts. And we will be announcing, because this show is about the Moore Murray case and our involvement in it with Maggie Freeling, we will be announcing a text-to-donate option at the live show as a way to recharge the GoFundMe uh, fundraising campaign started by ourselves and by Maggie. And also our full archive is back
0: on the public feed, so check it out. You can binge. Yeah, you can hear every single episode of Missing More Murray. We're over 100. And we just released a new batch of creators' commentary episodes, Lance, on Stitcher Premium, so check those out at stitcherpremium.com. We did episodes
1: 61 to 70, and we have 10 more to go fun times listening to those creator commentaries and and fun times doing them. Uh, If you want an opportunity to hear Tim and I uh, really, really uh, give it to ourselves, go ahead and check that out. It's become become a bit of a uh, wild train ride, if you will.
0: Okay, everybody. Thank you very much for listening and uh, let's get to the interview. Welcome back to the Missing More Murray podcast, James Renner. How are you today, James?
2: I am uh, I am just fine on this this last day of 2019, the last day of the decade, the last day of the uh the tens, the teens, whatever we're calling them.
1: How, how do you feel the teens went for you, personally and
2: professionally? Uh it you know, ups and downs, ups and downs, <laughs> ebbs and flows ebbs and flows. Um, no, this was, this is, uh, overall a, a productive 10 years. I think I, I look back on it with, uh, 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 fondness. Um, at least that's what I, I tell myself. No, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, at the beginning of, uh, this, um, beginning of this decade, I lost my job. Uh, <laughs> I was fired from, uh, Cleveland scene, uh, magazine. Uh, for uh, telling my boss to go fuck himself, and um, then I, I had no plan, um, and uh, then uh, that gave me time to finish my first novel, and here we are, ten years later, and I'm able to do this for a living. So, um, and I'm back to writing for Cleveland Scene, the the uh, magazine that uh, uh, showed me the door. Um, <laughs> the the CEO has switched over, so it's all come around full circle. It's like the Nietzsche. Uh, um, you know, life is a a, a flat circle. It's that uh, eternal return. So I guess I haven't gone very far in the 10 years, but uh, it seems like a long journey to get back to where I started.
1: Well, just uh, the 10 years alone or the 10 years aside, this year in particular has been really eventful. We had you on um, just a couple of months ago, just a few weeks ago, and you always managed to I guess uh caused some some waves but uh Tim and I were talking uh I, I think maybe last week or a, a few weeks ago uh everything that you have researched in the past year actually in the past what four years I'm not going to say was taken with maybe some creative license but some of the things were were maybe considered as as James Renner being a sensationalist and we keep using that word but as we get later on in this investigation and, and this case, as, as things progress, it feels like if you're not 100% accurate, there's a lot that that is um, a reality to what you have been looking into. So I personally have started to train myself to consider everything that is a uh, potential scenario that you— um, you 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 deliver to your audience thanks i'm trying to i'm being intentionally vague because i don't want to paint myself <laughs> <into a> corner.
2: <laughs> right right no uh thank you um you know it, i i wish i could say that it was a planned uh you know long game long con or something but uh you know the these these stories that i've been talking about specifically with uh bill Roush and you know some of these other characters you know, it, they, it, it got caught up in the justice system and the justice system is so slow, especially in, uh, in DC where some of these, these crimes occurred. So, you know, for instance, I knew about the grand jury years ago, but the grand jury went on for almost a year before they, they issued charges against bill. So while I knew it was a uh, reality, it, it allowed people to, you know, get online and say, eh, rah, 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 rah. you know, James Renner's making this up. This isn't happening. And, uh, there wasn't much I could do to defend myself, but now it's, now it's coming out.
0: Yeah. I think people thought that maybe this was you pushing because you had an ax to grind or, or something like that. A lot of people, a lot of resistance w- inside the more, more community to kind of talk about this stuff because we know bill has such a good alibi um, at, in being in Oklahoma, but we spoke to Bill about a year ago and he told us, yeah,
2: tell me about that. That's always been like a rumor.
0: Well, he, he told us you were lying about, uh, the grand jury.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is he knew like Bill knew about the grand jury, um, for many different reasons, you know, people, you know, they served a subpoena at uh, the place he was. He used to be the executive director for, and there's no way he couldn't have known that they did that. Um, so they were getting all that investigative, um, the investigative files from when he worked at Ray Group International, and they had their own internal investigation when this woman um, said that uh, he tried to rape her in the office. And uh, further, more than that, in D.C., the way grand juries work is um, it's technically a federal grand jury, even though he was, um, ended up uh, going to D.C. Superior Court. It's a felony. But the way the grand jury system works, it's a sitting federal grand jury, so, which is only important because when a federal grand jury begins to investigate you, you get what's called a target letter. Um, so Bill would have received a target letter that said, hey, you're under investigation by a grand jury in D.C., So, um, you know, uh, in light of that, you know, um, what do you think of of Bill Roush's credibility at this point?
1: Well, before before we get to that, uh, I just want to be clear for anybody who's listening. We are speaking of Bill Roush, and I just want to be clear of uh, the charges, the charges and the grand jury and the subpoena that you're speaking of were based on what?
2: A uh, uh, an alleged assault that took place on. um, St. Patrick's Day in two thousand and eleven, in the offices of Ray Group International, a young woman uh, claims that um, he uh, tried to rape her in the office of the president of Ray Group International after work one day, and uh, you know pushed her down on a table and started grinding up against her, trying to um, put his hands under her clothing. Um, and luckily, that uh, assault was interrupted by another coworker coming in. And uh, knocking on the door, um, Bill then told her, um, "Don't say a fucking word about this." And then hid, hid under the desk while she while she ran out. Um, this same woman claims that he pushed her down in the metro station, and if if you on the escalators, and if if you've ever been on the escalators, we're talking like a two story escalator. So, in my mind, that's uh, I don't know what you're doing other than trying to seriously hurt somebody, if not kill them. Um, that. A crime, unfortunately, was beyond the statute of limitations, Um, so he was ultimately just charged with um, felony sexual abuse, um, which uh, carries a possible sentence of eight years in in prison. Um, Now, in the the interim, um, you know, he was um, taken to court by his girlfriend, uh, who he had had an affair with for a couple of years, and had met um, at a place called, uh, you know, in the Veterans Affairs community in D.C., Um, She filed for a restraining order, a a protective order, and um, most of the times, you know, nobody goes to trial over something like that. You just kind of, you know, because you don't have anything to gain really as a defendant uh, except for airing all this dirty laundry. But Bill went to court and um, just a couple weeks ago, and it was a three-day trial that he put this victim through, and in the end, he was found uh, guilty um, or or. Uh, responsible for this, um, the judge said, uh, "You know, any anybody would look at it as uh, as stalking behavior." And um, he he had to pay this woman like I think close to two thousand dollars for what she put into a new security system. Very scary stuff came out in that trial. So um, uh, more more charges may come out of that because the protection order was just a civil case uh but now that it's done um you know they're very me- there very well may be another grand jury um investigating these these new claims and i expect it to, to lead to more felony charges
1: okay and when did this uh all
2: come like go down with the uh woman uh, the this girlfriend
1: yeah when when did so you said a, a protection order was issued is is that um i guess uh similar to a, um, restraining order.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a long term, a longer term restraining order. So there's a temporary restraining order you get, uh, and then you have to go to court and if the court finds that you're in danger, they can issue, um, um, a longer restraining order. And that's what this is. And, um, it just happened late November, 2019. And here we are at the end of December. I was just able to get the transcripts from that, uh, Case um, about a week ago, and uh, while I couldn't outright publish the transcripts uh, for many reasons involving, like, you know, I, there's a victim here that that should remain anonymous and, and protected, um, but also they're saying that these records may be sealed. Um, I was able to read through them all, and um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of crazy stuff that came out there in that trial.
1: Okay, so this was like a legit trial, like there was Long a. Back. There was a prosecution, a defense. The witness was on the stand providing uh, answers and statements. Was it uh, open to the public or to the press?
2: It was, yeah. So it would have been open to public and press. There was a reporter there the first day, um, unable to return the next two days. Uh, I was not able to get there. um, And I just didn't want to add drama to the whole situation. um, So I I stayed away. But, yeah, no, there was— so there were essentially only two people that ended up on the stand. There was the victim and then there was uh, bill himself. And, uh, uh, but there was, uh, on the witness list for Bill Roush was, uh, was Aaron Larkin. Um, you know, who, who you guys know through this podcast and through, uh, you know, uh, her involvement with the, the Murray family. She was a witness for, for Bill Roush, but never, ultimately called a uh, character witness well i wouldn't no i wouldn't say character witness more of a um a witness that they were going to use to poke holes into the victim's story um because um uh, backing up a little bit this uh this woman involved in the protection order was a uh, girlfriend of, of bill roush's for a number of years when he was still married in fact bill is uh, has not yet a uh, as far as I know, officially divorced his, his wife, although they have been separated for more than a year. Um but this girl, uh this young woman has has been around for a while. Um and she she alleges that uh uh you know from the beginning the the um relationship was abusive and uh so how does Aaron Larkin figure in? Well um when Bill was deployed to East Africa last year um, he before that introduced, I think, you know, maybe over email, but introduced uh, the victim to Aaron Larkin and said that this was a person she could trust while he was away. And so they, they got together and had kind of a a weird little friendship, but eventually the victim realized she could not trust Aaron Larkin because she caught her recording her uh, without her permission at a bar. Um, You know, it's a it's a weird story in itself. Um, Aaron asked her to come to this bar, and uh, you know Scott Wall shows up, um, un, you know, uninvited, and uh, creeps everybody out. Um, you know, the victim was so afraid of of Scott Wall that she uh, asked these guys that she met at the bar to escort her out and away. Um, and you know, Aaron's there trying to tape her, so. She becomes a witness in the case, and uh, that Bill's lawyers can use to um, poke holes in the victim's story. Because Aaron was saying that this uh, woman never said that that Bill harmed her, never said she was afraid of Bill. Although during the the trial, it comes out that uh, there are these texts between the victim and Aaron in which the victim specifically says, "You know, she's afraid of Bill." So. Um, Make of that what you will. It's it's a it's a big mess. It's all quite shocking. Yeah, I got to be honest.
0: Um, I, I'm I'm completely blown away by all of this um, having happened. Um, wait, did you say that Bill introduced the victim to Aaron?
2: Yes, in some form that happened. Whether it was over email, um, whether it was you know over the phone or in person, and eventually they all um, began to communicate through various forms of social media, um, about, uh, you know, um, the best, essentially the three of them were discussing the best ways to mitigate, uh, the information that was coming out about Bill and these grand juries and his attacking these women. Um, so, uh, Bill, while he was over in East Africa, um, is on these chain of emails between the victim and, uh, Aaron Larkin in which they discuss creating fake Twitter accounts, uh, in order to, um, attack my credibility and to dox me and to force me to take down the blog and the information about, um, Bill Roush attacking these women. And, uh, they, you know, for a time they made my life, um, uh, very difficult um and uh i in fact took down the blog for a little while just to just so i didn't have to deal with this craziness and uh eventually figured it out and and he was behind that and then then brought the blog back uh after bill was ultimately charged with this the sex abuse so um you know they communicated they they built these uh fake accounts on twitter and then they they also um bill suggested they Communicate through a social media app called WhatsApp that um, is specifically used to uh, for secure communication, so that it's it would be harder to subpoena later um, and uh, easy to 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 keep your uh, anonymity.
1: What year did all of this happen?
2: Oh, this was mostly last. Uh, it would have been end of summer two thousand eighteen through the fall of two thousand eighteen.
1: Okay, end of the summer of 2018 through the fall of 2018, that's when these email communications between Bill and Aaron occurred, uh, saying that they needed to uh, mitigate some of the damage uh, by creating fake profiles on social media?
2: You know, I word for word, I don't know what was said. All I know that the the email communication was about um, the creation of these fake Twitter profiles and how they would be used to attack my credibility.
1: It was specifically your credibility? Yeah. And uh, what was the—I guess it's just your opinion because you didn't read them, but why would they be attacking your credibility?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's very simple. I was the only person that was reporting on uh, these allegations that that Bill had sexually harassed and attempted to rape a a number of women in D.C. So I think he he thought if he was able to take down my blog, then um, it would be a lot harder for him to— you know face repercussions for for his actions attack the messenger you know
1: yeah now i'm i'm sure some people are curious and and I'm curious as well would the reaction be the same in your opinion if someone was innocent of these charges and a reporter or a journalist was investigating them is that a typical reaction that in your opinion yeah
2: no if you're if you're innocent of these charges what you do is is uh you get a lawyer and uh and and you sue um but uh if you're not innocent of these charges and you need that information to go away then then you do shady stuff like this to try to um, chip away at the credibility of the reporter or just to <laughs> just to cause you know chaos and and uh, uh you know strife um in 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 order to force them to take it down
0: so i is there any do anything in the transcripts of how how long Aaron and and Bill have known each other then i'm i'm sorry to harp on that i'm just kind of yeah. confused uh,
2: it's it's hard to tell from the transcripts um you know and, and ultimately Aaron was never called i i think his lawyer eventually figured that that would not be a good thing to do um so the the way that the the trial worked out so this woman is accusing uh, Bill of stalking her and um you know, in her complaint, uh, you know, and in the opening uh, statements um, of of her attorney, a lot of stuff comes out where uh, this this girl would have known Bill better than anybody. In in fact, I think better than his wife. Um, they carried on this affair for for I think two or three years, and uh, you know, she talks about how um, from the very beginning, what he liked to do is um, he liked to choke her. Uh, during sex, and um, he would call her Mora, you know, for Mora Murray, and uh, you know he would get off on choking her, calling her Mora, and he would be demeaning towards her when he was calling when she was playing the role of Mora. So he would say, you know, you're a bitch, um, you know, you're you're a whore, crazy stuff. So he's already choking her and calling her the name of of this girlfriend who went missing in 2004. This raises, of course, a couple red flags with this, this girl, this, this other victim. And, uh, you know, so, so she sees my posts on the case and these other women coming forward. And, and Bill at first convinces her and and a lot of other people that, that I'm lying, that I'm making this up, that these, these women are lying. Um, and, uh, but eventually, you know, his, physical abuse towards this woman becomes more and more severe. You know, he hit her once so hard that she chipped a, a tooth. He would uh, you know, hit her so hard that uh, he would leave bruises. Um, and then he would ask her to take pictures of those bruises in, and send to him so he could get off on it. Uh, you know, he, he enjoyed the, the physical abuse there. Let me stop you there for a second, because
0: I just want to point something out. This is something that me and Lance were kind of talking about. It's like, if, if you were to say this was true about any other person in the case, like say this was true about Rick, the neighbor, all this stuff came out about him. Like, what do you think the community would do? Like, holy moly. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, it's perplexing, um, the, that this is happening now like we we always say you know the a person if some if more was met with foul play this person can't be good forever they're gonna have to screw up at some point um and well i i just think no one was looking in bill's direction like right, for that's that sc- exactly right you know what i mean and then when when all these charges happen it's just it's almost it's it's downright shocking i don't, I don't know
2: yeah, I mean, because it's it's always been a very easy defense for him to say, "Oh, I was, you know, I was at Fort Sill, you know, I, I couldn't have been there." But, um, you know, of course, now in light of this, you know, and and we're talking now, I think the numbers up to about six, uh, six women who have come forward alleging everything from sexual uh, harassment all the way up to rape. Um, and uh, what, what we can take away from this for sure is that this is a guy who likes to, uh, inflict pain and likes to hurt women and, and has been doing so for many, many years. So, um, you go back to those, that alibi and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to come right out and say it. I think it's at a point now where the police, if they haven't done so already need to seriously consider Bill Roush as a suspect in the disappearance of Maura Murray. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying he did it. I don't know if he did it. Um, but, uh, I, I certainly think they, sh- and, and I'm not the only one asking them to investigate, you know, it's, it's these, um, victims themselves who, who have said that the police should be looking at this guy. Um, so go, go to the alibi where he's at Fort Sill. Um, you know, he provided me with the names of two soldiers that worked with him at Fort Sill, um, uh, you know, on the day that Mora went missing. And, uh, you know, I've attempted to contact them a number of times. I have their private emails. They've they've never answered. So, um, I've personally never never been able to verify his alibi. But regardless, I don't know how important that alibi is because um, the the one thing I've come to believe over the years is that uh, you know she wasn't traveling alone. I, I firmly believe that in this tandem driver theory that that uh, a friend or or somebody was with her and that's who picked her up. And I think she made it to a cabin or a condo, and and uh, so if she was met with foul play, perhaps it, perhaps it came later in the week, like uh, Wednesday or Friday.
1: Getting back to uh, the the incidents that you mentioned about uh, Bill choking his accuser uh, and hitting her so hard that. It left bruises, and he wanted her to take pictures and and send those pictures to him so he could get off on them. Where is this information coming from?
2: Uh, this is from the victim. That this is um, during uh, when she was on the stand at this at this trial. This is information that came out then.
1: And are these pictures available? Uh, were they available for um, the the jury? Was this a jury trial?
2: Um, it was a. Uh... That's a good question. I don't know if there was a sitting jury. It was a civil trial, I, uh, so the judge was making a lot of con, uh, contacts or, or, or um, uh, comments. Uh, I don't believe there was a jury because it, ultimately it was the judge who ruled on this.
1: Okay, um, were the pictures available for the
2: judge to see? I'm not sure. Um, it's it's hard to tell because all I have are, are the transcripts. They mention mention evidence. Um, I know one thing that the one thing that happened during the trial. Sorry, I'm dealing I got my my dog just jumped on me. Oh, you uh, got a
0: dog? I didn't know you're
2: a dog person. Oh yeah, you know Brownie. I do. I didn't know Brownie. <laughs> Brownie. Um, so, uh the one thing that did come out in trial is uh that there was a um you know, day 2 kind of ends with Bill Roush's attorney revealing the existence of a uh, of a sex tape. And, uh, you know, it's kind of this big, you know, gotcha moment, I think they were trying to play. And uh, they, by bringing it up, um, what they were trying to do is say that the victim enjoyed uh, rough sex and that that's what was on this tape. And that if she enjoyed rough sex, she couldn't have possibly uh, had any problems with her, um, with him hitting her, apparently, I I guess was their defense. Um, So... This tape was played in court. Um, I'm not sure; it, it's possible only the victim was able to see it, but uh, you know the judge um, allowed the tape to be played, and then that 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 to me is just the the craziest thing. You know, I've been covering court cases for 15 years, and I've I've never heard anything that like that. And, and to me, that's just you know that that tells me that uh, you know I think their strategy was to try to shame the victim. Um, in the hopes that she would say, okay, you know, please just don't, don't show the tape. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop charges, you know, but she didn't, you know, she she stood strong.
0: Right. I think that speaks a lot to her credibility. Um, because Absolutely. if she was lying about this, wouldn't you just get, <laughs> wouldn't you just quit right there? Right. Exactly. So the, this, se- the sex tape that they actually eventually in day three of this trial that they showed in court showed abuse of bill on her.
2: I think what it showed was spanking. Um, I don't know how how hard the the spanking was, but I think what the defense was trying to do was say, "Well, if she's in the spanking, then you know how can she complain about about the backhanding?" Which is a ridiculous argument, but uh, one that they you know I think that that was how they reasoned it.
1: And you were saying that the affair went on while Bill was married. He's since uh, been separated from his wife this, this went on for two or three years, I think you said, so this goes back to maybe 2016.
2: Something like that. Yeah. Up until, uh, March of this past year where, um, you know, the victim, I think there was essentially a sort of an intervention by her family where they're, you know, they're they're like, Hey dude, you know, this is, this guy's no good. This guy's no good for you. And we're scared. So, um, she, uh, contacted bill i think in march or very early april and said um very politely you know uh we, we're done and you know I, I i can't do this anymore um and and you know also there there are texts during this time and conversations with bill that came out in court where you know he he apologizes for you know the pain he's caused her and and he promises you know not to hit her again and um you know it's 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 rough stuff so anyway she breaks it off and uh and then he, he doesn't take no for an answer. And uh, she logs every contact that he tries to make with her after that and, and very smartly keeps a list of this. And you know, he's, he's contacting through her through every form of social media, um, you know, liking her photos on, on Instagram and Facebook in order to get it so she sees the notification. Um, when he gets back, m- mind you, he returns to the United States, where he where he's prop prop uh, you know promptly um taken in for uh because he's got a warrant out for his arrest on the sexual abuse charge and now he's he's trying to win over his his girlfriend who he's cheating on his wife with um it, you know and he shows up at this girl's apartment this young woman's apartment and uh you know sh- sh- he's still got the keys to you know and and she hasn't changed the locks yet and so she's she's frightened to death. And she at that moment calls a domestic violence hotline and he slips this note under her door. Um, and, uh, just stalkery behavior. But anyways, these contacts, they number over, I think a hundred in the span of just a couple weeks. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's, it, it was frightening and, and that's what led her to, uh, come forward and, and press charges and get this protective order and, and contact me, you know, she reached out to me.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong with the timing on, on, uh, slipping that note under the door. But what I gathered from reading, uh, what you wrote about it on your blog, um, was that, uh, she had the locks changed, uh, the lock to her door, but not the outdoor to the apartment. And so he potentially used that key
2: for that door. You know, I I think that's, that's accurate. Yeah. I think that's right.
1: In the transcript from November, does she specifically say she is scared of Bill?
2: Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, she, she comes out and, and, and says that the reason she reached out to me when I was in D.C., I think this was back in September or October, um, she, she reached out to me because she was worried that she was going to go missing, that, um, that she was worried that Bill had something to do with Maura Murray's disappearance in light of everything that had happened to her and these other women. And she was terrified that uh, you know that that she was going to go missing, that she was going to get murdered or something. And um, you know, I told her then, I, I'm like, you know, I can write. You know, the best I can do is write a book about you, you know. And uh, so I think that's when, um, you know, she had already made up her mind to talk to the police. But um, you know, I think uh, I think she she realized. Kind of the the predicament that she had she had found herself in.
1: Was your name mentioned in the court transcript?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And um,
1: in what context was your name mentioned? Because wasn't this a trial about a protective order against Bill?
2: Yeah, yeah. So what the what Bill's lawyer was attempting to do is, I I, I assume what she's going to try for her defense. Um, against, uh, you know, in this upcoming sexual uh, assault case that happens in D.C. in May, which is to blame me. Their defense is that I am this um, out-of-control gonzo journalist who has convinced these weak women that they were assaulted by Bill and none of it is true. Um, Now, hopefully this, this case shows them how Ridiculous that argument is because it sure didn't help him here. Um, but yeah, my name comes up a lot because Bill's lawyer is trying to get the victim to say that um, that I'm a terrible person, that she didn't trust me either, that I lied about a bunch of stuff. And you know, the victim kept saying, "Yeah, you know, of course." I thought I thought Renner was a bad guy when I was when I was hooking up with Bill because I I only heard Bill's point of view. When I woke up and got out of that out from under his you know, his cult, the Roush fog, the Roush fog, if you will. Yeah. Um, she, she realized that, uh, that everything I said was true. So, um, you know, but my, so yes, my name comes up because that's their defense is that, uh, if not for me, Bill wouldn't be in trouble at all.
1: And is Aaron Larkin's name brought up in the court transcript?
2: Quite a bit. Yep. Um, and and that's because of this friendship that, that she had fostered with um with the victim now a couple of interesting things do do come up with that though you know we we learn uh, that um, this ridiculous plan that Aaron had for getting me out of crime con which you know the lengths had, you know the 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 that people went through just to keep me out of a convention is bizarre and surreal to see it, you know, coming out in a trial. But um, Aaron was trying to get the victim to file a restraining order against me in New Orleans um, so that I could not attend CrimeCon if she was there. Um, and uh, so this comes up in court and what? they asked <laughs> Yes. What <laughs> so, so they they, they asked the victim You know, because the way Aaron put it to Bill and Bill's attorney is, well, the victim was so scared of James Renner that she wanted to take out a file, uh, you know, a restraining order. And so they get the victim up there and they ask her about this. And the victim's like, uh, no, um, that was never my idea. That was never my intent. I was not scared of James Renner like that. Um, you know, that, that was never something I wanted to do. So. You know but that's something that 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 aaron's put out there and 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 claimed to be true that that was found false in this trial um, you know it just it's 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 bizarre and and a little scary that that people are spending that much time trying to keep me out of crime con my know? gosh
0: um and i one other thing I wanted to mention is that uh that Twitter has has picked up on the story. And um, there's sort of like a mini viral moment that developed um, a a couple times now, once at the end of November um, and once just recently a few days ago here at the end of December in 2019. Um, But several people tweeting about Bill and about these charges, um, people who have worked with Bill in the past, people who are in government in uh, the D.C. area still now.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Um, you know, so uh, when when I posted about the the transcripts and uh, I was able to to prove finally that, you know, not not only that there were more women out there that uh, that, that he was found uh, to have stalked this woman, but now that everything was public. Um, it allowed everybody else that had been kind of waiting in the wings to step forward and voice their opinion. So, you know, there were a number of people from the veterans affairs community who knew the truth about Bill and had had their own run ins with Bill and their own opinions about them that uh, were now felt that they could speak out. And, and they did. You know, they came out in support of this woman. And in fact, I wish I had been at the trial because, um, you know, I, I spoke to somebody who was there. And they told me this wonderful story about how, you know, day one, day two, um, Bill and his lawyer were, uh, you know, coming out and, and just trouncing this, vi- this, this, this woman, uh, this victim, and um, to the point where she was, you know, like anybody else would have been very intimidated. So day three, you know, Bill Rouse strolls into this courtroom thinking that 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 he's winning. And he looks up, and the first thing he sees are a couple of marshals, U.S. marshals. And they're there to keep the peace because they heard that this witness was being intimidated. Um, and then he sees all these people he worked with in the Veterans Affairs community. So uh, I don't know if it was the victim that invited them or if word got out, but all these people showed up in support of this victim. And Bill realized that all this was getting out but and, and these people were going to be witnesses to what he had to say um this running this victim through the 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 coals um and the tide turned and he was very flustered on stage and started stammering and lost his cool and that's kind of when everything turned in in favor of the victim so it was just a i the way it was described to me was kind of a movie moment you know
0: for sure yeah well, I think that's really powerful, um, and I think I think if there are other people out there who have experienced any anything at the hands of Bill Roush, really, uh, I think it would be great to speak up now. And I want to put a personal call out at this point to Kate and Sarah, to Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alferi. I think they need to speak out now. I think it's more important now than ever because. If they don't speak out now, it just looks worse for Bill. Anyone who knows either Kate or Sarah needs to encourage them to speak up now.
2: I, I agree. You know, I, I think that Kate and Sarah had an inkling of, of how dangerous Bill Roush was. And, and what they should know now is, is he can't hurt anybody anymore you know there's too much support there's too much attention and if you have information that that he was like this with Mora if this was what Mora was trying to get away from if this is what she was able to get away from yeah now's the now's the time to come forward and, and talk
0: yeah i think it's important if they never witnessed abuse from Bill to Mora they need to speak up to clear his name
2: yeah yeah we've been you know we've been waiting for them to to tell what they know for for a while and i and hopefully they they know that that we're supportive and everybody's after the same thing, which is, uh, you know, finding out, uh, what happened to her and if, if Bill was involved in any way.
1: I want to talk, uh, I guess, uh, real quickly or, or, I mean, as, as in depth as you want to talk about, uh, an event that happened on Valentine's day in 2018 between the accuser and Bill. It, what, what was this event that happened on Valentine's day in 2018?
2: Yeah. So this is a, this is kind of the first story where I, 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 I became aware of this, this victim and her involvement with Bill, and uh, and, we had, I, and I reached out to her, I talked to her, because i had heard the story that uh, Bill was on Valentine's Day 2018, Bill was seen in the ER with a woman who had gone in there because she had suffered head trauma. And so my first thought after knowing these other allegations was, you know, what did he do to this woman? And uh, so I was able to get the victim's name and and I reached out to her and at first she, you know, denied Bill had anything to do with it. Um, You know, but, you know, Bill is, is very, you know, he, it it is when you get close to him, it is, it, it is kind of cultish, you know, the, the, the Bill Roush fog or whatever you want to call it. Um, So she was still kind of under his spell and, and of course, defending him uh didn't want anybody to know that, in fact, he was the reason she was at the ER on Valentine's Day. Um, what came out in court was, I, I think, the rest of the story, which is, um, you know, he, at the time, she she was with um, another guy, and she had told Bill that they were done. But Bill wasn't taking no for an answer and showing up. And, you know, he'd do stuff like buy her a laptop or you know, um, pay for food. And, you know, he he was always using money as a way to ingratiate himself with her. And, uh, so he shows up on Valentine's day and, and at first she's like, no, I don't want you in, you know, I'm, I'm meeting my boyfriend and he, you know, he sweet talks his way into the apartment and, uh, starts fooling around with her. And, uh, the story that comes out is that he tossed her into the air, um, and accidentally, uh, hit her head on a lamp or a light fixture that was hanging down from the ceiling. Whether it was accidental or on purpose or whatever, I wasn't in the room, but uh, she does get a major gash in her head, and there's just blood everywhere. And Bill starts freaking out, um, and he says they should call nine one one. Eventually, they do, um, and uh, you know he, and then he starts taking pictures of everything. Um, you know the you know, her and, and her gash. And he talks his way into the, um, you know, I don't know if he goes, I think he's in the ambulance with her. If not, he follows because he's there at the hospital. Um, and his main concern at that time was me finding out. He's like, the last thing I need is James runner finding out about what's happening right now. Um, and, uh, so I I think there's even a picture maybe with him in the ambulance with her, but he's taking pictures with her in the, the hospital. He's there when the nurses come in and, uh, you know, convinces them, like tells everybody, oh, I'm her point of contact and uh, makes makes them put his name down as the point of contact for her. He's very concerned about the, the this this getting out in any way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's that's the long and short of what would happen there.
1: And when Bill was present in the uh, courtroom, did he have any family members there with him to support him?
2: I heard that there were family members there, but I wasn't there i don't I don't know for sure who it was uh, Another reporter who was there told me it looked like his mother and, and sister might be there um that first day while they were waiting for court. Bill was out in there um sitting with uh Aaron Larkin um in view of the the victim, so I'm sure that was not very comfortable for the the victim to see
1: and you heard that through a uh, reporter who was reporter. in the hallway, yeah. okay. And did they ever talk to Bill during the trial about his involvement with Mora and her disappearance specifically?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. They come right out and ask him if he murdered Mora Murray. Oh, and uh, they did? Yeah. And what did they, he say? He said no. He said no. Um, and, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, he was never considered, he was never even considered a suspect, which, which is untrue, you know, if only for the fact that, as soon as he arrived in New Hampshire on, on Wednesday, the first thing he, that happened was he was interrogated by the police, um, and uh, you know. And again, I want to say, you know, I don't know for sure that he had anything to do with, uh, you know, if if Mora's dead, I don't know if he if he's responsible for that. But um, I think everything that we do know um, sheds a light on why Mora had motivation to, to leave or to want to get away whether it was for a short length of time or forever, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, you know, who could be, you, you're in a relationship with somebody, how bad can they be for you to want to start a new life? Well, Bill Roush happens to be one of these, these people that, uh, is, is, um, who, who you'd want to get away from forever.
0: Yeah. And I would have to say, uh, I, I'm a little concerned for, uh, for Erin, um, and what she's been up to lately. I, I don't, uh, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm confused. And I would say concerned too. I think if she's been working with Bill in some kind of um, misinformation campaign for years, I think that's highly concerning. And if she hasn't been doing that, I'm also concerned because of her behavior recently.
2: Yeah, she's uh, she's all over this for some reason. Um, the the one another thing that came out that she was involved with is uh, again with this crime con convention, right? Uh, you know, so she and Bill were trying to get a panel together for crime con last year. And the title of that would have been what it's like to be accused of murder. Um, and it would have been Bill Roush speaking out about, uh, how I was attacking him and making everything up about this grand jury that didn't exist. Well, luckily, um, you know, and I had to, uh, I had to talk to the people in charge of crime con and I told them. I'm like this, this grand jury's real, guys, and they're like, well, you know, he's saying it's not. Luckily, um, he was charged, uh, and 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 they dropped that panel, and they realized that Aaron and and Bill had been been lying that whole time.
1: And what were they saying that you were doing? In regards to attacking Bill, were you talking to his employers or his family?
2: Mostly it was it was the the posting on the blog and, and the epilogue that was in my book, you know, that they were saying that all that stuff was untrue, that I that I was making this stuff up and uh, and attacking him for no reason. To, I guess the, their reasoning was it was going to sell more copies, more copies of my book. So I'm a big capitalist, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it's, it's weird. Uh, You know, too. So uh, one other thing that we should talk about are the number of um, people that Bill worked with when he was deployed at Camp Lemonier in East Africa, who have since filed uh, grievances with the uh, um, inspector or complaints with the inspector general office. So these other soldiers in the army um, have filed complaints against Bill for his leadership while they were working with him because he was doing crazy stuff over there. Um, whenever anybody would find out about these charges against him in the states and uh, this grand jury, he would have him transferred off base. Um, there's this guy that came forward publicly after this latest trial. His name's Matt F- uh, Fecto, and uh, he alleges that that Bill just made his life a living hell, um, created a toxic workplace, stalked him on social media. Um, then when he when he found out that he knew about these. Uh, Uh, this grand jury had him transferred off base, really screwed with him in, in creepy ways. The way he, you know, he, he, he just goes over and above, um, somebody that that's acting rationally. And, uh, um, so, uh, but here's the weird thing is, uh, Matt Fecto is, uh, Aaron Larkin's cousin.
0: Yeah, that is weird. Has, have they connected about this? Do you know?
2: They have. Um, you know, uh, and I don't want to go into that cause you know, those conversations I'm sure are, 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 personal, but, uh, like you, he's very concerned about, about her, um, and, and feels as though she was taken in by, by Bill and, and, uh, for whatever reason, she's drinking the Kool-Aid.
1: That's yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Um, yeah, he, he ran for office at one point, right? Fecto I, did.
2: I think he did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He ran for, uh, he ran for Senate. He's um, a
2: smart, smart guy, um, you know, knows a lot and, uh, you know, thought he could go to uh, his cousin and, and and say, hey, here's everything that Bill did to me. Very similar to what he did to these women. Um, it's all true. And uh, it fell on deaf ears.
1: I want to get back real quick to um, those who talk about your uh, harassment of Bill by contacting his employers and his family. Did you ever contact his employers and his family and and make it uh, appear that you were going to go on this like scorched earth tour to destroy (laughs) him?
2: As a as a reporter, especially as an investigative reporter, you're going to you should be contacting any source you can reach, um, especially if the allegations uh, are so severe, which in this case we're talking about we're talking about rape. Um, so in order to verify that what the victim is saying is true, I need supportive, um, evidence and I need other, other witnesses. I need other people supporting what she's telling me. Um, so of course I spoke to, I, 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 reached out to everybody you worked with, um, as many as I could. And some of them told me additional stories. Some of them were very helpful as sources. And to this day are, I wouldn't say I contacted his family, although, uh, a couple years ago. I think it's been two or three years. I did send one email to his wife um, because I was concerned uh, specifically about a case he has not been charged with yet um, that she might have some information about. So uh, I reached out to her and I said, this will be the only time I try to contact you. Here's why I'm trying to contact you. Uh, If you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. But I feel as though you need to know this for your own safety. So yeah, Um, I contacted a ton of people, uh, some people he went to school with. Back at West Point,
1: is he still currently an active military member?
2: I don't know. Um, I I don't know where he stands with the military. Um, he could be facing charges in military court uh, because of this latest witness. Um, he flew this victim out to Germany when he was deployed. He was at a conference in Germany, and she uh, is alleging that he assaulted her on a military base on a U.S. military base in Germany and 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 hit her repeatedly there, in which case that would be that would be military court.
1: you just said he hit her repeatedly there, yeah, and that's uh documented at uh, hospitals or with law enforcement there or with military police.
2: I don't know if she kept pictures or what, but that's that's the story that's uh that she's telling that that she alleges that's the the same victim from court recently, yes, okay. There's a lot that's come out and you know he this this sexual abuse trial uh is slated for May 1st of 2019 and both sides are going to be entering 2020 Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, 2020. Yeah. So it's going to go on for a little bit and he And what is that trial? That's the that's the sexual abuse trial related to the assault that took place in 2011. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Hard for me to keep track. It at this point it is. It's um yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know where the cold case unit is. I don't know where you know um, they are with looking at him as a as a possible suspect. But uh, these victims want police to, to hear what they're saying and to take it seriously and review where where he was, not just the day of the disappearance, but in the days following the disappearance. He tells this story um, um, about this. This is another thing the victim spoke about is uh this the story about where he finds this shed in the woods um when he's searching with his father and i think we mentioned this in the last podcast but something about that story does not sit well with the victim and uh she wants police to figure out where where he was when he was looking for more uh, if it's possible that he found her if you know the shed is involved in any way
1: and she says that during this uh trial
2: i don't think it comes out in trial okay what we're touching on here is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this trial. There's a ton of, of other stories. There there are a lot of other stories that came out um, during the trial that are too, I think, salacious uh, for us to get into. Um, And it it goes to, it speaks to, you know, their sexual proclivities and what they're into. Um, But uh, you know, one thing that could also end up being a news story here is um, the victim on the stand, talks about a friend of Bill's who now works, who, who went to school with him at West Point um, and is still friends with Bill. And he now works for the White House. And she alleges that this man also assaulted her. You know, and I just want to one, one last time reiterate, I, I don't know what happened to Maura Murray. Um, but, you know, I, I sure hope uh, she, she got away and, and she's fine. And maybe now if that's the case, um, now that, that Bill's under a microscope and you know possibly uh, you know ends up serving some time, uh, maybe it's safe enough for her to come forward. Worst case scenario, if if she she is dead, you know I I I, I just you know I don't know what happened to her, but I think um, Bill Roush deserves to be looked at um, a little closer.
1: I. I think that's a solid uh, thing to say because, to be clear, we're we're not saying that these are connected. We're just saying that a person who is connected to Mora uh, now is facing some very 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 serious charges. Uh, uh, what,
0: let, let's play the the thought exercise one last time. What yeah. what if these charges came out about Tim Carpenter right now? How would people feel?
1: Exactly. I would I would go I'd go one step further and say, what if these charges came out about somebody who didn't cry foul that James Renner was trying to out them? What do you mean? Like w- what if these charges came out about um about me or Tim, you know, just just in general, not because we're not even related to to the case itself. Like no one ever questions where we were at. I'm right. just curious if we're playing uh, a thought exercise if these charges came out against against us and you weren't uh, involved in them coming out, what would the what would the repercussions be on on us?
0: It would surely look a lot weirder, like what we've been doing for the past
1: few years. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Exactly. My point. Then people would start putting us under a microscope and saying, well, I don't think that they should be involved in this if I you know, regardless of guilt or innocence, the if they have these charges there's something, there's something there that shouldn't be there when people search Moore Murray to, 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 to take away from the actual uh, investigation.
2: Well, yeah, you would think that, yes. Uh, and, and, and I see where, I see where, you're, where, you're, where you're headed. Um, although I see we're coming up on an hour and to begin on uh, the craziness that surrounds the uh, administrator of the Moore Murray Facebook page, Scott Wall, um would would take another would take another episode